Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with star of For the Love of Dilfs, go-go dancer, model, fashion designer, who can be found at theprincejoshua.com. Prince Joshua, how you doing today, sexy? What's up? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Good. I will say I'm so excited to talk to you. Like... I know. I'm excited that we could make this work. <laughs> I know, because I will... I will say... Well, actually, wait. Before I start, I will actually say a PSA that Phoenix told me that you told him about yesterday, which is when go-go dancers are performing, don't put your drinks on their stage. Oh my God. I've been meaning to make a reel about this for so long. I just, I keep forgetting, but yes, it's definitely a PSA for all entertainers, whether they're drag queens or go-go dancers or, you know, whatever they may be. If they're on a stage, if they're on a platform and they're giving you entertainment, don't put your trash on their stage. Exactly. That, that was what I, what I street, which, Phoenix streamed that off of was me saying something that I saw Rico post, which is basically like, don't touch a go-go's dancer's asshole, which I feel like should be like common fucking sense. But like, yeah, I've also made a video about getting um, slapped. That one actually has like 50,000 views or something. Um, just how you shouldn't ever hit an entertainer, even if they're shaking their butt in front of your face, because that's what we're doing you're lucky that we're doing it does not mean that you have the consent to touch us or hit us and especially get under our underwear and touch our hole. Like Rico said, like, it's just, you need to ask, you need to get consent before you do any of that. And we're most likely not going to let you do that. Yeah. Just cause someone's, you know, being sexualized as, you know, part of their job doesn't mean that they want sex very true and another one i will add this is just more something that i do if you're like watching a go-go dancer and you're not gonna hand them money stand away from them like yeah don't hug our stage or like the area in front of it um yeah. same way if you're at a drag show don't be in the very front row standing there if you're not tipping yeah and well at least my experience with go-go dancers I don't know. Maybe this is because I dress in drag every time I go to the club. And for the most part, if you're nice to people, they will take photos with you. I don't know if that's just me being a drag queen. Like, <laughs> Totally. If you're sweet, I will take a photo. If you tip me, I will definitely take a photo. Um, $1 goes a long way. Like, I'm saying. Yeah. I prefer more, but also if you're like, here's a dollar, can I get a photo? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, or if you're well, too. <laughs> well, I mean, most of your tips are probably a dollar because you you work in LA. People don't have money. Like, <laughs> I'm dead. Nah, some guys here they tip well, so it it really depends on the customer, though. But regardless of the amount, it's just the fact that you are appreciating what we're doing, and that's what matters most. Is that you're showing us that you appreciate us but also helping us because that's literally going to pay my bills like 
every dollar counts every everything adds up and eventually is what how i pay my rent like right i will say this i will now consider that because back when i lived in a city and like i used to go out to the gay bar i was broke so yeah i I would love to watch but i had no money like and like Something that I love to tell people, like, if you can't tip me and you're videotaping me, tag me. Take the moment to be like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash or do you have a Venmo or whatever. Or even if you don't, just be like, can I tag you and put you on my story? Because that also helps, you know, like maybe you're not putting money in my pocket, but you're, you know, potentially giving me more exposure or new followers who could then maybe further progress me to make more money eventually like you know you never so there's so many ways you can show appreciation without having to spend money too is like a compliment goes a long way even telling like whoever's working there like hey that dancer is doing really good or whatever like it's i know it doesn't seem like much but those things though they pay attention to right so now on to my questions so what was it like for you growing up as a kid in Idaho? Lord. Um, <laughs> honestly, I grew up so sheltered. I wasn't allowed to listen to the radio or watch cable or do things until like the end of my middle school era. So I like what? missed out on a lot of pop culture references and a lot of like childhood tv shows that like other people just consider normal and i just i have no clue sometimes what people are referencing and um it's kind of sad but i was watching veggie tales or listening to like christian rock and like you know like that's what that's what my parents you know had but um yeah so we grew up very religious and i had a lot of shame when it came to anything that was a sin that i did so i would you know, go to my mom crying if I like did something wrong or, you know, anything like just because I had so much shame built inside of me that if I did something, I thought I was going to be burnt in hell forever because that's what I was traumatized by and told. So it's like, um, you know, I just grew up with that kind of a mindset. So I was always just like very try to be as best as I can be, even if I was naturally a little bit of a troublemaker. And um, then once I got to high school, I started just like figuring out like, okay, I've made out with some girls and, you know, I don't really know how I'm feeling, like what's going on. And I started talking to this guy and that's when I was like, why do I want this guy to be happy? Why do I want to be the reason he smiles? And it kind of just made me realize like, fuck, I like guys. And um my sister who is trans she at the time had come out as gay and we kind of i kind of stayed away from her for a while because i was like that's a sin and we're christian and we can't be like that and then you know once i realized that i like this guy i was like yo like we i remember it was like two or three days before christmas one year and like um it was my junior year i was 17 no i was 16 no i was 17 holy shit <laughs> and um i was like 
no, yeah, I was 16, about to be 17 when I came out. And I, um, sorry. And I yeah, told you're good. And we were just like hugging each other, crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry I pushed you away. Like, I know that if God is real, then he loves you because you're such a good person, even though you're gay. And we really like reformed our really strong friendship at that point. And that's when we kind of just had to, you know, break it to our friends and family. Like, you can love us without, you know, judging us because what we do, who we love, it doesn't affect you in any negative way. And right. if you think I'm going to be in hell because of it, I mean, that's all you. But I know myself and I know that if, you know, God is real, he wouldn't th throw me in hell just because I'm choosing to love who I want, you know? So right. I had a lot of conversation like that. And actually it it came full circle. It took a long time, but a few years ago, my parents, um, they stopped going to church. They actually stopped like believing in God. And I mean, we stopped a long time ago and now they, and they've just been like full circle. They're so supportive. My mom, all she wants is for me to bring home a guy for Christmas. Like she just wants me to have a boyfriend so bad and you know, it'll happen one day, but it's just crazy growing or coming from, you know, such a sheltered religious background that the first time I heard Justin Timberlake, I was scared I was going to go to hell. Like, you know what I'm saying? That, All, that, that seems crazy. Where my mom's like, oh, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous. Like, I need to make more money this week. And she's like, go shake that ass. <laughs> like, Work. crazy like when I was younger I would tell my mom just out of rebellion because you know at that time in high school it was still hard we weren't still on the same page and I I told her I'm gonna be a stripper when I grow up <laughs> and she'd be like Joshua Raymond Montoya no you will not and like look at me now and look at her now supporting it so it's just funny well I will say this this comes with my next question, you're going to hear my religious experience, but Listen. I'll ask you the question first. So what was it like for you coming out? Um, honestly, I'm so glad that like my sister at the time had come out as gay. Re like, I don't know, I think a year or two prior. Cause it really took the cushion. Like I got like, the easy side of things because she already got the heat. She already got like right. all the like, it was just like a little bit compared to me, but it was still really hard because I, I didn't like any of the gay kids in my school. And I used to like purposefully stay away from them or, you know, tell them that they were sinners or, you know, I was homophobic for a while, but that's what I was taught to be. Like right. I, I 100% believe homophobia is taught. It's not something that people are. It's something that people are, it's something people learn and that's how they then react to others. I think it can be unlearned too because it took a lot of time for me to really sit with myself once I realized I was gay and think about why this whole time I was always pushing gay people you know, to the bottom thinking that they were lesser or, you know, any of that sort. And it, it took a lot of like 
me figuring out how to love myself because knowing that I was gay and then trying to deny it for so long and trying to mask it with religion and trying to, you know, pray it away and all these different things. It's like, I really had to sit with myself a lot and I spent a lot of alone time just like kind of processing that because it's hard when you are taught that what you are or how you feel is wrong when it's not wrong to love you know someone else or to be attracted to whatever you're attracted to as long as it's safe and legal but it's just crazy to me that like you know i came from that homophobic stance and having to like constantly defend myself in school telling others that i wasn't gay and that I was just, you know, a good Christian boy to then finding that courage, having like a good support group of friends and, you know, different people in my life, like my sister telling me I can be who I am. I can be, you know, that and they can celebrate that for me. And it really gave me the option to then start, you know, embracing it. And once I did, once I had that confidence, guys in school would like try and come for me or say nasty things to me. And I would just not even give a fuck about it. And that's what made it so powerful is that I didn't care anymore. And I was like, yeah, I bag it. I am gay and I do suck dick, but I would never suck yours because it's small and you're disgusting. Like (laughs) I I learned this new confidence and then I just like, I showed them that I didn't care. Even if deep down, sometimes it did hurt my feelings, I would never let them see it because before I had let them see it and then they won and they would, you know, feel good about themselves. So I'd be sad hiding in the corner of my gym class because everyone's mean to me. And so, you know, once I started like just having that confidence of like, I'm who I am and I love it. And, you know, you can hate it, but I don't care what you think. That's when it really just like, I realized that I had that confidence and that I could love myself and that that homophobia that was inside of me was unlearned and gone. Yeah. Well, I will say, as someone, I also had a religious upbringing. I was raised Catholic and like, it wasn't so much my family, so... I know some people, some of my fans are going to be like, groan, he's going to tell the story again, but fuck it. I might as well just say it. Um, so the weekend I came out, I, I'm going to explain it. The long story short was I got locked in a mental institution. Wow. Like I had a youth minister who like, I had this like performance idea that I discussed with him and it involved a knife. And then like, I talked about like practicing it. And then basically he, left the room came back in and said you have one of two options either you can have me call the cops or you could come with me now at the time i was 18 but i was a little bit naive so i thought well i don't want the cops involved i might as well go with you it seems like a psyche valve might be a little bit better but i passed it and he kind of like lied to make it so that I failed. And like, one of the things was I thought I was getting out and I literally had a cop when I was on the phone yelling at me, he's like, get off the phone. And I'm like, 
and they didn't tell me till like hours later that they had what's called Baker Act in me. So I was, yeah, locked up for 64 hours. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would be like to go through. So what did you do when you got out? It was... The craziest thing was I was brought in on a Friday. I was like officially Baker acted on a Saturday and I just happened to have that Monday off because it was some sort of a holiday. And I remember having to go like getting back into like society. I, it's weird. It was a little bit of an adjustment because even yeah. like, because you get every freedom taken away. Like you're not even allowed to wear shoes yeah. When I when I first got brought in, they didn't even have like a room for me, so I was like sleeping in, on a bed like out by the front desk. Oh my god. And it was just it was It was one of those things where it's like I knew I didn't belong there. And it's like being around actually like mental people. Yeah. It is kind of scary because you'll you'll like see somebody you're trying to be nice, high, be friendly, and they'll snap at you and be like, "What do you want?" And it's like that is just how it was. And after that, what the church tried to do because they wanted to like cover their asses, they're like, "We'll have you go to this counselor." I say counselor because I don't even think she was a therapist. Who like tried to like pray the gay away? Yeah, didn't fucking work. Um, but I say like that experience made me stronger, but it, in some ways it made it worse for me because I was suicidal later, and then like I thought at the time I thought, well, if this is all you're gonna do to me, it's not that bad, but. But it was done unwillingly, which is, you know, Very true. that part. Very true. They said, like, yeah, it was very much, in fact, like, at that point, I think for, like, a year, I gave away, like, power of attorney. Like, I couldn't sign anything because I'm, like, I just didn't want to have to, like, deal with that situation again. Yeah. So, next question. So... Why did you decide to call yourself Prince Joshua? Um, okay, so we Instagram came out while I was in high school. I had just come out. I've like kind of come into this like newfound confidence of, you know, I was a cheerleader. I was openly gay and people knew it and you know, I was like figuring out who I was like because that's what we all go through in high school it's just like what am I who am I what do I stand for like what are you know what defines me and I just like always loved Disney princes and princesses and I just loved the idea of like fairy tales and we were picking out our Instagram names um because you know it was the thing to do like Everyone's got an Instagram all of a sudden. So I was like, I'm going to be the Prince Joshua because a lot of people were using like their full names 
or I had a few friends who were just doing like, you know, like a made up, like a alter ego. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. do like a combo of both. I'm going to use my name, but I'm going to make an alter ego out of it. And, um, you know, when we were kids, we would play like make believe all the time because we didn't have, we, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of TV, only like, you know, an hour a day. So we'd have to go outside and play and use our imaginations. And we had like a tree house and a trampoline, a big yard. So it's like, I always had like a very imaginative mind because I had to, like we had to do something all day. Yeah. When we were kids, there was so much time in the day to just do whatever. It was amazing. I miss it. Um, but um, we would always play like this game where we were royalty and my older sister like she was at the time you know my brother yeah. that's you know called her and she would always tell us though that she was queen rose when we would play make believe and like you know she's had her name legally changed to rose and you know that's how she's known by now but it's just funny because she always told us that that's who she was and like that's i was always you know prince joshua and so it's yeah. just like and you know, sometimes I would be a girl too in the games, like whatever, Ooh, light died, I'll switch it. But um, so we always had like those alter egos while we were being kids. Right. And to create my Instagram, I was like, I'm gonna be Prince Joshua because that's like already who I am known by or like what I, you know, have called myself. And it's like a cute alter ego. Then I just kind of started building a brand from there. I got my first tattoo when I was 17 and it was the crown that's on my ass. And it was so I could hide it from my parents. That's why I got it on my butt. But I wanted a crown because I was the prince. And then, yeah. um, and then it just kind of started going from there. I just started like leaning into that vibe and doing like things that are gold and you know, wearing lots of like different royalty crowns or random things like that. And then I really just like dove deep into it later towards college and got like tattoos, like my gauntlet and my Florida Lee and my epaulette. And I really just started like building it into like everything I did. Like my car had black and black and gold seats. My whole room is black and gold. It looks Victorian and like, you know, very majestic, very um, medieval. And, you know, just everything I started doing was black and gold, royalty. And I, that that's when my brand really started to be formed and my presence was known as Prince Joshua. I started getting reached out by different brands uh, like Andrew Christian and JJ Malibu and Merrick Richard, um, lots of queer owned brands to help influence for them because I, you know, had established this name for myself, this brand on Instagram. And it was crazy. I was like, so excited. I had just moved to Phoenix at that point at 18 and, you know, started getting lots of tattoos and posting thirst traps and like, just really coming into my own, building my brand and presence, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of, Prince Joshua. Yeah. See, I would love to say that like Prince Electro Diamond has that magical name. It just literally came to me one day and I'm like, I I knew I had to like create a stage name because at some point I'm the kind of person who knows my mouth is going to get me in trouble at one point. 
So I'm like, I'm going to be like, I didn't say it. Prince Electro Diamond said it. So therefore, I'm allowed to say it. Prince Electro Diamond, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love when I see other people with like royalty names too, because it's like, there's enough room for everyone. And that's something that Tony and I kind of like on for the love of Dilves. He was like, there's only room for one prince. And I was like, Tony, baby, you of all people should know Disney has so many princesses. It has so many princes. There's so many kingdoms. There's room for so many people to be royalty. It was just like a funny, like, it's just like funny, like we would tease each other about that kind of thing. But I would be like, no, there's room for all of us, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be just you as Prince Charming. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you my reaction when he said that. I'd be like, I was like, bitch, bye. Like, <laughs> I want Prince Joshua there anyway. Like, uh, I'm dead. That's funny. <laughs> uh, we all have our fans, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as I said, it's. I haven't reached out to Tony because I will say, like, that for me would be like, of all the people, like, obviously, like you and Phoenix were probably the ones that I fell in love with the most, like. I and it's just, well, actually, I will say I liked Phoenix, but then, like, once I interviewed him the first time, that's when I'm like, bitch, I fucking love you. Like, I, they're so fun when they got voted off and yeah. the Airbnb where, like, the other himbos and daddies were hi were hiding. Yeah. Um, we just connected right away. Like, I gave him no breaths. As soon as he showed up to the door with his suitcase, he didn't even get inside of the Airbnb. I was like, how is the mansion? What's it like? Da -da 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 -da. I was like, <laughs> so annoying, probably. But um, we stayed up till 7 a.m. We walked to the beach. We watched the sunrise. Like, we, we really got to know each other well because we had been, you know, in L.A. And we seen each other a lot at the same parties. But we yeah. never had a long discussion or moment and we connected so well. I love him. And you'll also see him and I in a project on Daddy TV, another one in uh, a few months. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. Like, Phoenix didn't tell me about that. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and say it. I don't care. I mean, like, I, I talked with Phoenix. Okay, so that's why I just just let you know something else is coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, well, I will say this. Like, Phoenix, in the first interview, had to literally say, Daddy TV, don't sue me. Because, like, he accidentally said something he shouldn't have when it, we were in the interview. And I'm like, I'm like, bitch, you know what I say all the time? Like, that's why, that's why sometimes I have to watch this back. Because I have to be like, did I really fucking say that? <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, nah, I'm sure Daddy TV won't sue Phoenix. It'll be fine. No. They know we're a little messy, and we sometimes say things that we probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, especially, like, the way I do things, like, at least I feel, it's like, it's like I try and get guests to open up, because, like, one of my, like, inspirations for like interviewers is Howard Stern and he was like the expert at getting people to admit stuff that they would never admit anywhere else like that's like a superpower yeah so props to you <laughs> thank you, thank you.
So, from Idaho, what made you move to Phoenix? Um, okay, so there was no schools I wanted to go to college for in Phoenix or in um, Idaho. So I really wanted to go to California. I was like, I want to go to LA. I want to go to FITM. Um, I like, yeah, I, that's what I wanted to go to school for fashion. And they have like one of the best schools here. So that was my goal. But uh, I didn't get accepted. <laughs> Sad. And um, then I was trying to weigh my options of where else I could go. And I wanted to stick with fashion and um my sister had just so i have four sisters my oldest sister had just moved to phoenix and she told me to come visit her so i came for you know a cute weekend and i had so much fun i loved the sunshine i loved just like how it was a new place i just you know i really enjoyed it it looks very much like la but it's like a smaller version yeah um, but you know, palm trees everywhere and it's warm. And so I was like, you know, like I could see myself living here. I hate the snow. I'm sick of being cold. It's it's much more like on the line between like conservative and liberal. So it's like very much equal, less. Whereas like, you know, where Idaho is just very conservative everywhere you go, Mormons. Um, so I was like, you know, I think I could see myself here but uh, my sister, Rose, who's trans, she moved yeah. to Seattle. And so I was thinking of maybe going to Seattle, but I suffer from depression and it's something that I just deal with. It's uh, And I didn't think Seattle would be the best place for me because it's very gloomy and rainy. And I was trying to get out of that kind of atmosphere like I had in Idaho. I wanted to go somewhere that, you know, because the weather really does play a role in your moods day to day. It can really influence, you know, how your day goes. And yeah. like, I definitely think I need to be in a sunshine area that'll kind of keep me positive. It'll help me stay, you know, in a good mindset, um, as well as still having family nearby. And so I moved in with my older, my oldest sister and um, decided to go to the Art Institute of Phoenix. And uh, then I, you know, I moved to Phoenix and I lived there for five years. I finished with my bachelor's in fashion marketing. I created, you know, my own little merchandise line for myself. I have so many ideas and I have like a project I really want to release, but I'm it's not ready. So I can't release it. And I really wanted to release it for the show. But, you know, when the time is right, when my um, when I have enough money to afford all the things that I want to do, I have so much more coming when it comes to the yeah. fashion side of me. It's just it takes time. That's what you know, that's what happens when you have a dream. You just have to slowly put your time and invest in it. And one day it's going to flourish. And yeah, so I've been working on that on the side. But um, that's why I moved to Arizona. And then eventually my whole family moved down there as well, out of Idaho. And um, even my sister Rose moved to Phoenix. And then after five years, her and I moved to L.A. See, I, I guess I can get that. Like, I am someone, so like, 
when I finally move, I live in Florida now, but like when I finally move, I wanted to go some, my plan is to like move to Atlanta because I want something completely different than like Florida and like Atlanta is cheap enough to where like I could afford to buy something, like buy a condo and like just, it's like, yes, Georgia is one of the most conservative states. However, Atlanta is like the one area in the South where it's like not as bad. Exactly. I've heard that things about Georgia. Yeah. Which Um, I will say, like, I, I live in my hometown now. Like I moved away to Orlando for like four years and ended up having to move back. Cause like I had some difficulties with an apartment and I had to like start all over. Yeah. And I'm saving up money, but I just feel like I want to feel like I want to be like, fuck it. I just want to leave now. I'm just so the thing I hate is like the place that I grew up. It's like kind of like a smaller suburb, but like, any of the big cities are like an hour to two hours away. Like West Palm beach is like the biggest city near me. And it's like an hour away. So it's yeah. like, I don't really go out much. Like I pretty yeah. much stay at home. Not Yeah. It's not convenient. No, that's why at some point, like I am probably one of the people who like, am so grateful the pandemic happened because like, this podcast literally is what made me feel like, well, shit, I can't get gigs. Might as well do something. Might as well get into drag. And then eventually, like, honestly, just very recently, I decided I got to the point where I'm like, I've said all my fucking stories. I needed to start talking to people. I need to start getting other people's stories, like, out there, get to know them. Like, I love that. Yeah. And then I just shoot my shot and hope people say yes. <laughs> See? There you go. Let's see that. Okay, well, you said why why you moved from Phoenix to L.A. You just said you want to do them. Um, you always wanted to move to L.A., but, like, yeah, we always make it happen. <laughs> yeah, we always wanted to move here. Um I felt like I couldn't grow anymore in Phoenix. I feel like, you know, I had been dancing. I learned how to bartend. I, you know, grew my social media presence. I was, you know, getting different uh, brand deals. And I was just like, I want to take this to the next level. I want to grow. I want, I really wanted to be on TV. I was like, I want to find something. I want to get booked for more modeling gigs so I was like I think LA is where I need to be and my sister felt the same way she um has like a few years ago got verified on Instagram and TikTok and um she's like well known for her trans 101 uh series on TikTok and now you know she's got like 700,000 followers on TikTok And uh, so we just both wanted to get to a new level and grow and meet new connections. So we decided that LA was the best place to do that. And we both always wanted to move here. So we decided to just make the move because why the fuck not? We only live once. We both 
have dreams that are similarly aligned and would be would flourish in the same place. So we decided to ha make it happen when uh, my lease was up. Awesome. Now we've been here one year. We've both had so many incredible opportunities and like it just keeps getting it just keeps growing like so it's definitely worth it. Yeah. I will say like LA, I was someone who was like very anti LA. I would say I was like anti LA, like that culture and the people probably till I like first talked to Phoenix, like Phoenix changed my whole mind. I'm like, wow. So everything I've heard about LA, it's not just full of like stuck up egotistical assholes that like, well, it is, but then you find the real ones too. Like, yeah, but that's like anywhere. Right. LA has more people so you think that there's more there's more of just that but it's yeah. not it's like you just have to find the right ones though definitely i've definitely had um seen over the last year i've like gotten to know certain people and really see like who is there genuinely and cares about me and wants to like see me grow as well um yeah. and i've also met a few people who just want to use me for opportunities or bookings and you know it's you kind of have to just find out the hard way but just like you said at first like when i'm sure when people first saw phoenix and me on the show and tokyo and matt they just like they they think oh those la boys are just party boys stuck up da 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 but it's like once you like if you give us the time and figure it out like we're actually more than that and you know like of course there's always drama to be had when you put all of us together but that being said there is so much more to us than our social media presence and what we make it seem like well i will say like the biggest thing and like you posted about this actually on twitter was like People will say, you said, like, people, like, if they don't love me for my mannerisms, if they don't love me for my voice, basically, like, fuck them. And it's like, I will say this. Hearing your voice for the first time, it honestly was a little bit of a mind fuck. <laughs> it, it, if you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, totally. And, like, I feel that way about a lot of different guys that I know. You know, the first time you look at them you just don't expect it to be a higher pitched voice or to be, you know, gay or whatever, but like, yeah. I could control myself or like, you know, like I can, I can make it happen, but I'm just going to talk the way I talk because yeah, easy. If you just purposefully always do this, it's like, it's too much. <laughs> I don't so know. In other, so in other words, you talk like Nathan. Oh, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> No, but Nathan talks like that in person, which people don't realize. A lot of people think he was just for TV trying to talk like this, but he really just like has this. It's he has like this like. Well, well, I I, I have a way of I have a way of classifying I have a way of classifying it. It's not shade. He has what I like lovingly called stupid voice. I kind of have it myself too. It's like, it's like you want to like listen to them. But you hear their voice, and it's like, God, 
you might be making the most intelligent point in the world, but you sound so fucking dumb. But it's like, <laughs> but it's like you have to get past it. Like, I love it. I love him. Honestly, it's so funny. Uh, but um, no, you're totally right. This guy commented something on uh, a TikTok video where. It was the part where Charles and I were by the pool and I was talking about coming out and how I had a lot of internalized homophobia. And, you know, the editors, they cut out a lot of, of parts of that, that just for right. my sake. Um, yeah. I dove in deeper like I did for you and talked more yeah. into it, but, you know, only so much makes it to the big screen. And, um, you know, I was just talking about coming out and how I was like, it was hard for me and I was internally homophobic and i had a battle that and someone comments on my tiktok of that little video like that they were attracted to me until i started talking and i was like okay let's make let's talk about it so i made a tiktok responding to that person basically what i tweeted um the other day and the tiktok got a really good traction and so did that tweet and it's like if you don't like me just because I sound gay or because my voice isn't this manly, deep fantasy that you dream of, like, I don't, I clear, I do not give a fuck. I'm like, yeah. I am who I am. And I don't, if that's why you like me is because my voice sounds like that. I don't want you anyway. Like if you only are thinking of me as an object and what I look like or sound like, and that's what you're gonna base if you want me or not, like I get enough of that. I don't need that. And like, what makes this person think that they would ever have a chance with me anyway? They're hiding on a profile with no, you know, picture right. of that thing. And it's just like, are you really that like, are you really going to comment that on a post of me talking about how I had a battle, my internalized homophobia, and now you're just also showing your internalized homophobia because you're obviously gay. You're obviously attracted to me. And now you're making fun of me because I sound like gay or not as low pitched as you would like me to be like, so it's just, it's just sad that people will take their time to discriminate our own community when we are battling so much more than that we're literally fighting for like our drag queen friends to be able to perform just just that period we're fighting for them to be able to perform because certain states have banned it and we're fighting for our trans community to like have the right to their own bodily autonomy we're fighting for the you know ability for any body that needs an abortion to get it you know it's like right. there's so much more that we're battling right now and you have the time of day to come for your own community and make fun of them like it's just so sad to me i'm like that does not need to happen this is like and i get a lot of comments like that and like you know all all comments all you know whatever interactions are good for the algorithm it helps your video do better but it's also just like I think it's something we need to like talk about. We need to stand up for and be like, look, like, look, dude, you need to support us. Like we talk about how we want to see queer people on TV. We want to have these opportunities. We want to, you know, 
we want to be more than just a minority in the US. Like we want to be celebrated. And then we get these opportunities like Friends of WeHo or For the Love of Dilfs and people shit on it and they make fun of it. And of course there's the people who love it and support it, but it's like at the end of the day, like these are people in our community who have very similar stories to so many of us that are so relatable and could probably yeah. help a lot of younger kids who are going through the same thing if they saw it it could help them you know get through what they're going to see that someone you know the, like this guy who's on tv came from a really closeted homophobic space and turned his life around from idaho where he's very you know internally homophobic to la where he's living out and proud and you know inspiring others to live out and proud right I mean, that's something where I totally get where you're coming from. You speaking of the drag ban. First of all, I will say this. Everyone who's like, it's only a few states. It's that way now. That's where. That's how it starts. All it ta- oh, my God. That's well, it's, why it's so bad that it's already started. Well, it's because, like, I am someone who, like... I don't want this to happen, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, like, based on what I know about politics. Like, Donald Trump's going to get elected again. Like, Lord, no, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to show up. We're going to vote, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Hopefully, he gets arrested this week. Like, that's what I'm hoping. Well, <sighs> I mean, this, the thing is, and I do, like, get involved with politics, and, like, I am so mad at Joe Biden. I honestly want somebody else. Like, I am someone who's like, AOC needs to, like, fucking run. Like, she's loved by, like, almost everybody. Yeah. She'd be the first woman, first, like, Latina president. Like, what the what the fuck are we waiting for? Like, I said her or, like, Nina Turner or someone else I'm, like, a huge fan of. It's just like, come on. I definitely... Like, in all aspects, our government needs to do better. But the only influence we have on that is using our vote to yeah. do that. So it's like, even, you know, we can talk about all these scenarios, but at the end of the day, like, the only thing the people immediately in front of us can do is go to every form of election, even for like, you know, local government, and you know vote for people who have policies or have plans or have at least you know goals of doing what we need done to normalize drag queens and normalize people transitioning and normalize you know all all the all the things that we do that does not affect someone else's life to yeah. be normal because it is it's none of their business exactly that- wants to transition it's none of their business that someone does drag to perform and escape their reality or pay their bills or you know whatever it may be they need to refocus what they are doing because they're more worried about drag queens than they are about machine guns or you know like it's like they don't like anyone can get a gun there's not even like it's harder to get a passport than to get a gun. And like, yeah, 
that's the number one killer of children in the United States. So it's like, can we refocus things? Like, if you want to bear arms, I believe you have that right. But I think you should also be go through a psyche vow and make sure that you are able to have one and, you know, stable enough to have one and use it for protection only or defense only versus, you know, I mean, people are going to be able to get them anyway because people, you know, drugs are illegal and people do them anyway. But at the end, it would be harder for them to, in a fit of rage or anger, immediately go find a gun and go to a school or whatever they do. It's just like, there's so much more out there that we need to be focused on. And we focus on drag queens reading children to books or, you know, like, or reading books to children or, or perform it. It's like, we need to refocus things. We need to get back on track. We need to think about what's happening. How can we fix the terrible deaths that are happening and don't need to be happening and could have been stopped had there been more protection in place. Right. It's something I, it's something I totally get. It's something I've railed against. In fact, before I did this podcast, like before this took up so much of my time, I used to do a like Twitch stream show called the opinionated bitch where I would literally just like take facts. One of the things I talked about was gun control. And it's like, I just sat there. I spouted off my, I looked up all the facts that I could spouted off my opinions. It's something that people love to see. And it was so interesting for me to see people. I knew know who I thought were like generally conservative actually like what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so maybe it's because when you take it, when you don't come at it in a political perspective, when you come at it from, like you said, a fact perspective of like, you know, this is a fact that the number one cause of children's deaths in the U.S. is guns. That's just a fact. It's yeah. no, it's a fact that it's harder to get a passport and a longer process than it is to get a gun. And it's like, you just list these facts and you put it in perspective for them. Like, why should anyone just be able to go get one? Like, why why don't we have more protections over this? Why is it so available? It's not necessary to be that available to everyone because not everyone is, you know, mentally able to do that. And that's also something our government should focus really hard on is mental health and really push how... You know, there's so many different things that every American have to deal with. Most people have depression. Most people have anxiety. So many people have ADD or ADHD. There's just so many things out there that need to be talked about more often, that need to be treated, that need to be processed. I honestly think it should be easier for people to get therapy and to go through it if they need it and to, you know, if it means getting prescribed certain things or if it means you know however they deal with it it's like you can do yoga or you could like go on hikes or you can process it through therapy you can do you know you can take different prescribed drugs or you can smoke weed it's like there's so many things and routes that should be more talked about should be more normalized 
and like hopefully in the end kind of help people get away from those fits of rage and you know anger and you know if we if we were able to talk about it when people are children and help them process things sooner and kind of you know get a good grip on who they are and how morality works we could maybe then you know slow down the amount of people who are just violent for no reason or for the reason of being mentally unstable which is usually the case and it's like that's the kind of thing we should focus on that's the kind of you know thing our government should be working towards and putting their energy towards not not canceling drag queens (laughs) like it's just ridiculous so many things we could focus our energy on to better our society yeah and the saddest part is is that like some actually i would say most drag queens need that like most people aren't fortunate enough to be in the position where I am, where it's like, bitch, you can cancel all the drag you want out there. I'm still going to be sitting my ass here interviewing somebody, and you're not going to be able to, like, come into my house. But, like, a lot of people don't have that. So it's like... That's people's income. That's people's job. Entertainment yeah. is so big. And that's, you know, I know plenty of go-go boys, drag queens, performers, who that's the only income they have. Right. So. And we're not harming nobody doing it. Yeah. It's like, honestly, it's like, let people be who they are. Like, I will say this, like, from getting to talk to you and, like, why I wanted to do this so much and, like, why, why I knew, like, in some ways, I'm a persistent bitch, so I knew eventually you were going to say yes to me. I just didn't know how to get in touch with you. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, but I know you told me. I was like, oh my god, I'm so bad. I need to. I was like, I need to go back through and like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm as I said, as Phoenix can tell you, I'm a persistent bitch. Like, I'm someone, and like, until you tell me no, I'm going to keep asking you. Like, but that's nope. that's that's how you got to be. That's how you got to be. Like. That's something, um, who was, I'm pretty sure it was Nicki Minaj even said. She was like, I, she checked her phone one day randomly and she checked her DMs and that's how, I'm pretty sure she found Bia. And she's like, I saw all these messages from before about how she wanted to work with me or this or that or whatever. Yeah. You know, then they got a song together and it's just like, if you stay on it, if you stay persistent, you never know what could happen. Like... Yeah, and I want to say, like... I do the same shit, though. Like, I, I've messaged so many different people I want to work with and, you know, hope that one day I get to. Yeah, I will say this. I was so glad that she, like, didn't see some of my messages because I I was, like, desperately saying, like, check your DMs. I was doing it at some point. I'm like, <laughs> going to be like, this bitch is going to report me thinking I'm a fucking bot and, like, all I'm trying to do is get a damn interview. Like, Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, okay. Next question. So, which was more of a culture shock to you? Moving from Idaho to Phoenix or moving from Phoenix to L.A.? Um, 
I think moving from Idaho to Phoenix because it was so beautiful. I, in Idaho, only really felt safe and comfortable to dress and be um, carefree at Pride or at little raves um, and stuff like that, or at like friends' houses, but not in like generally in public versus in Phoenix, I, one of my first friends I made, their name is Luchi, and she came out uh, as trans later in um, in my years in Phoenix. But when I first met yeah. her, she, we went to um, this like outside mall thing and she had these boots on and she had this long black lace cardigan and just like really done up and like, you know, looking like a bad bitch. And in Idaho, I'd never seen any gay guy or, you know, person dress like that. And I was just like, I was impressed and shook. And some of their friends weren't really like, they were kind of embarrassed to be seen with her. And I was like, bitch, hold my hand. I'll take you all over this store. Let's go shopping. Like, you look so bad. I love your confidence. And it was just... It was crazy. And then as I started to be entered into the scene more, I turned 21 after a few years of living in Phoenix. And that's, you know, really when I started being immersed in the queer culture and seeing just like, seeing people be so unapologetic about the way they act, the way they dress, what they say, how, you know, like it was just, it was amazing. It was so incredible to me because I had never gotten to really be around that. And even at the pride festivals, it was like, yeah, I saw a few drag queens here and there, but it was like in Phoenix, so many people were drag queens. So many people would, you know, do the most, wear the most extravagant random things and just like, you know, be so unapologetic about it. And it was just like, it was something I had never really got to be a part of. And now I finally did. And it, yeah. it felt so good it really gave me the confidence to start coming up with the different styles and you know outfits I wear and then I started getting you know lots of people's attention and getting kind of known that like you know I'm a fashion boy and I will always show up in you know a look versus in Idaho I always try to just dress to blend in and not cause you know any attention or bring any attention to myself right so i think that was definitely a bigger shock for me because you know moving from phoenix to la it was like taking phoenix but then slapping a whole bunch of brand names on top of it or like you know like it was just yeah. LA. it was just like in LA, you know, the boys here wear lots more, you know, designer things, but still done up or, you know, and lots of the drag queens are, you know, RuPaul girls who have so much money to get custom gowns and da 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 versus right. some girls who, you know, don't have those same kind of, you know, connections. And so it's just like, it's very different. I still miss, you know, some of the drag that I would see in Phoenix because it was so unique to each person they created some of their own looks or they would you know thrift some of their own looks and like you know they would just it was it's it's different when you see local girls doing their thing versus seeing 
high production, you know, almost every night is someone who's been on RuPaul or whatever. So it's like they yeah. have this like cookie cutter image of what it is to be a drag queen. And that's not saying that their drag isn't valid because it is and it's beautiful and I love it. But I really love like getting to see those local girls who like just do their own thing. It's just like, it's different. It's a different type of, of performance, a different type of, you know, drag because it's much more like their, you know, creation of it versus them making a production of it. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And it's like, that's something where I will say this, my like journey in drag is very different than most people's. Cause like I I'm someone who like, I was a musician first and then I started doing drag. So like, I would be performing at like the straightest bars of the world, singing live, doing drag, and people like I wasn't like necessarily like I didn't wear this much makeup. I wore like less. I've like done more and more over the years, but it's just like that was like my great thing about Orlando was getting to do open mics and getting to have people be like, you see the same like acoustic guitar sets all the time then you get me up there like performing my little like elect electro track where it's like just getting to do that and be different and that's why i would say in some ways for people they would always be excited when i showed up to like the place that i performed at because it was so different i love getting to see drag performers do stuff like that, sing live or perform an instrument or, you know, just do something that's like not as expected from a drag queen because it's so, it's always so good because it's authentic to who they are and their interests and their passion. And they're just taking it to a form of drag and incorporating it. I just, I love it. And I wish like more people thought like that because there was actually a place that I performed at one time. I got a chance to perform there once. I tried to ask to perform there again, and they're like, "Oh, we don't want you here because you sing live." Yeah, no, I know right. a few clubs in uh, WeHo who are like, "We don't want any live performers. We just want girls who lip sync." And it's so weird to me. Um, it, I, I just think it's crazy. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to see multiple types of performances? Because I don't like, I don't understand, but um, it's just something that certain clubs, that's what they're about. There's this um, performer in Phoenix who always sings live. They do burlesque. They, you know, they do random things. They'll play instruments. Like, it's like, they'll always keep their show doing something different and it's always some type of live performance and it's always incredible to me to see someone who can do that who can bring that much talent versus just don't get me wrong i love a girl who can lip sync but i'm like i don't know i i I would love to see a show that's more than just a whole bunch of girls lip syncing because when you get to see other people perform in different types of ways it's just so much more you know adding to the table of what they're what's out there for drag what's out there for people you know and also it's it's like with that and i don't get why 
more clubs don't get like this. It's like, well, if you don't have performers, I could, I can stay on a lot longer than somebody who's lip syncing because I'm singing live. I don't have to do like all these crazy, like death drops and like splits and everything Mm -hmm. to do. That's why at that place I was talking about, they used to have nights where they wouldn't have anybody. And I was the only, and I was like one of the only people signed up and I'm like, and I'm like, keep me on, like, keep me on. I'll do four or five songs. I'll do a half an hour. I don't give a shit. Like, oh my gosh. That's like impressive because I know a lot of people who wouldn't want that, you know, much time up there or wouldn't be able to hold a audience that long. So the fact that you can, I think that's like a valuable trait. And I think that's something that more clubs should appreciate because when you have someone on stage, you can do that. It's like, it's amazing. Yeah. So... How did you start getting into nightlife in LA? Um, so when we came, uh, my sister and I came here to look for apartments. Uh, we just went out to the bars and instantly I just started asking people questions. I'd be like, um, you know, like, who do I need to know? Who's the manager here? Like, da da da. Like, right. I, I, I was like, I'm on a mission. I have so much experience that, you know, it's like I knew if I just got the right connection, I could start. And so I asked um, the dance, the go-go boy who we first saw, Ken. uh, And he, like, I had been following him for years and he, like, followed me back that day. We, like, made that connection. We, um, We actually worked out together, too once I moved here and he really yeah. kind of like introduced me like, Oh, this is Raya Latre. She's the drag queen for tonight. Like she's the hostess of the show. She's really well known. You need to know her. And like, I already did know of her, but I got to finally meet her. And right. then um, from there, I just started meeting other dancers, other drag queens and um, other go-go boys. It was really the, the multi, a few go-go boys. I like Ethan Dean, I have to shout him out because he gave me, you know, some connections to who does bookings for Go-Go Boys. And I kind of got to, like, you know, try out um, virtually by sending some dancing videos and some photos of myself. But it's the fact that I had four years of experience dancing in um, Phoenix. And I had four years of bartending experience that it was like, I, you know, I'm obviously built from nightlife. I've been in nightlife for the last, you know, four years. So if you just give me the chance, like, I'll prove myself to you. And, um, you know, once people started seeing me dance, once I got a few little gigs here and there, I just started, you know, I'm very communicative. I love to socialize with people. So I will... When I'm out, I just talk to everyone. And so, um, and I know like sometimes I kind of look like a bitch or I'll have a resting bitch face or whatever, but it's like when people come up to talk to me, like I'm I'm willing to talk. Um, of course, I don't want to be like held up on my box talking a long time because I'm trying to work, yeah. but yeah. I'm not. I'm 
like I'm so approachable like maybe I don't look like it but I will talk to everyone because I love to hear people's stories and I love to you know to share my story but um at that point you know I just I started meeting all the right people I, it was really right place right time like I just happened to meet so many different connections that ended up getting me booked at all these different places and now it's like it's just crazy i like got to dance on stage with kim petrus and i got to go to lil nas x's birthday party um to be like a dancer and i got to dance on stage with years and years and be you know main stage at pride and then i got to you know, like I just got to like do so many random things last year that it was it was incredible. I was getting so many fun gigs. I got to dance at Summer Tramp and it was just crazy because if you it it's something um I'm going to tie it into the episode the most recent episode of Drag Race if you've seen it. Yeah. Where Sasha, Sasha says, and she's even told me this before because she used to go to Phoenix a lot at the bar I worked at because the um, manager was really good friends with her back in Chicago. And so we would book Sasha all the time. We'd smoke together and like we'd do dabs and then we'd go to the bar and she'd perform and I'd bartend. Um, but she told me this before as well, but she says it in her confessionals that if you are a joy to be around, um, that's really what gets you far in nightlife. It yeah. doesn't matter how many followers you have. It doesn't matter what your talent or what your, you know, um, what you look like. But if you are a joy to be around, if you are that, you know, genuine person, people are going to notice that and they're going to keep you around. And I really think that's something that has helped me grow these connections and helped me continue to stay booked as well as the fact that it, I did have a decent following when I moved here and I have um I have a stage presence like I've always been on stage I did theater as a kid I did cheerleading I did gymnastics like I've always been comfortable on stage so it's like I have that presence and I, I know how to, you know, captivate an audience. I know how to entertain them. Right. So it's the combination of those things that really kind of solidified my name. And when I tell people I've only been in LA for one year, a lot of people don't, they're shook by it because they're like, how are you working at Evita and like, you know, doing all these really cool gigs and you've only been here for one year. And like, then I was on TV and they were like, it's just crazy. Like if you meet the right people, if you are, you know, not faking who you are and you're just being real about it, I yeah. really believe that's how you can solidify yourself as a nightlife person. Also, I'm very careful about um, when I am out about knowing my limits and never getting messy never being the reason that drama is happening. Um, you know, just knowing how to properly hold yourself and represent yourself as a brand, as, you know, a business. Because if people see you out in the bars a lot being drunk or messy or causing right. 
or talking shit about other people. It, it goes a long way. And all it takes is you doing that in front of the wrong person to really destroy any opportunity with, you know, whatever connection they have. So it's like, you have to know how to be on a good behavior and always be ready because in LA, you never know who's going to be at the bar you're at. You never know, you know, like randomly Adam Lambert will walk in or Sam Smith, or it could be a casting agent to a TV show. Like you just, you never know who can see you and who's going to, you know, potentially be that connection to get you to the next level or to the next opportunity or to the next gig. Right. And like, that makes sense. First of all, I love people who like shit talk people. There's a way to like, okay, I get that. Like, like, like be shady and like be funny, but it's like, if you're not funny, like don't fucking talk. Like, yes, 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 yes. Cause mistress does it in the perfect way. You know, like, She's shady, but it's funny and it's honest. It's never like to purposefully put down another person. Right. That's when that's when it's okay. Yeah. Well, your friend Phoenix knows it because like my first interview, <laughs> I was like shady towards Phoenix twice. One of the times was like unintentional, and one of the times I was just like Actually, both of the times were unintentional. I just, I guess I write stuff sometimes, like when I write it down, and it comes, it came off like shadier. Oh my God. Than what I was intending to. Well, okay. So in my intro, when I introduced Phoenix, I said like former star of For the Love of Dills because he had just got eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> The other thing was I asked him if he had real friends because he lives in L.A. <laughs> oh. But he I'm... was... I mean, he was a good sport about it. I mean, in some ways, I look back at that interview. A, Phoenix was the third person I interviewed ever. And B, Phoenix was the first person I had ever talked to from L.A. So it's like I had so much that, like, I didn't know. Yeah. And they've, yeah, they know LA. They've been here a while. So it's like, yeah. they definitely have been, you know, in the industry. Yeah, but like, anyway, Phoenix knows how much I fucking love them. Like, real, really. He's such a character. He's so fun to be around. Yeah. Okay, I already got my next question, but I think I already know the answer, so I'll answer it for you. Have you ever been inappropriately touched while go-go dancing? Yes. Um, yeah. Here's one. Have you ever had somebody try and steal a tip from your body? Uh, yeah. You know, um, one time I was dancing, and this guy was being... He was uh, past the point of intoxicated that he he could not have more. Uh, I could tell that he was probably going to be a problem. And I was just doing my best to be nice. I was like, okay, like, I get it. He was hovering in front of my box, just staring at me, like, being messy. He kept reaching up to touch me. And I was like, please don't touch me unless you're going to tip me. Like, being very kind, just trying to, like, but, but still lay down some rules because you're not just going to touch me because I'm there. Um right hit me and I was like okay this is fine then and then um 
but he just wouldn't leave the front of my box and it was taking opportunity away from other customers tipping me but i was just rolling with it i was like you know he'll move eventually if i just stop giving him attention because you know i already you know danced for him for a full song which is way more than i even needed to at all because you know whatever but he uh, got mad because a different guy walked up and i started giving you know dancing like in front of him and you know lifting up my strap so he could put some money in it whatever and the guy was so mad that i wouldn't give him attention he went back into the like the side of my underwear and pulled his tip out and um i i didn't even care for the money at that point it was a respect thing because it's just so rude that he would do that it's like i'm out here hustling i'm working and you know i gave you attention more than I needed to, and you still ended up doing something so disrespectful by taking back your tip. Like, it's just, I couldn't believe it. So I I grabbed security. I was like, okay, well, like after I, the other guy finished tipping me, I got, yeah. I was, I'm not gonna let this guy get away with it because that's just so wrong. He's really intoxicated. Like he shouldn't even be in here. Um, right. He's, he was also bugging other customers every once in a while. He would, like, try and make out with them or, like, grope them. Like, he was just being too much. So I got our security to kick him out. But it was just, like, it's one of those things. Like, it's a respect thing. You just don't. That's just not okay. It's so inappropriate. And I will forever remember his face. And if he ever comes into the bar again, I will not give him the time of day. And I will probably ask for him to be removed. Like, you know, it's just something you don't you don't want to do. Because if you disrespect a dancer or a performer, drag queen, a bartender, a security guard, all it takes is that one moment for you to forever lose any opportunity to have fun in that space. Because we will always remember that you're a problem. So it's like you never want to ruin your chances. And of course, there's so many bars you can go to, like whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just like, that's your reputation on the line. Like, don't do something like that. That's so disrespectful. It's, ugh, I don't need that dollar from you, bro. Like, especially not if you're going to disrespect me. (laughs) Well, I will say this. Like you said, drag queen. And immediately, I told this to Phoenix yesterday. I literally had somebody, so like, I was... I was at a place, like, I'm not someone who, like, works places a lot of times where I, like, sit backstage. So, like, when I'm not performing, I'm usually sitting among people. And I had somebody snatch my wig off my head. They're like, they're like, I want to see what you look like without it. And just, and, like, I literally, I was annoyed because I literally had to sit in, like, the window and, like, make sure my part was in the right place. And I know some girls who, if you did that, or drag queens that yeah. if you did that, you like I know they look real pretty and girly, but they would beat their ass. Like no, no joke. Like that's I don't know why people think that that is. It, it's not even acceptable to touch another person's hair. I think that's so disrespectful because we all take the time before going out to do our yeah. hair, to glue our wig, to style our hair. Yeah 
to, you know, clip in our extension, whatever it may be, that even if it's just another customer, but especially yeah. entertainer, it's like you should, people should know better than to touch it at all. Like, it's just not even yeah. in my head. And it's so crazy that that has to be talked about, but it is something that I think people need to talk about because random bitches who go into the bar don't know etiquette and it's sad that yeah. they don't but some people just never learned those things and i don't know why maybe they didn't have good gay friends or no you know older mentors that could have taught right. whatever luckily i had you know a lot of different people around me that kind of you know introduced me to the queer lifestyle and community and kind of taught me the ins and outs of those kind of things because when I first saw a go, go boy, I was like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like yeah. when I first saw a dry queen, I didn't know how to approach them or tip them either. So it's like you learn those things, but it's also a respect thing. Like you wouldn't just go up and pull some random bitch's hair in the grocery store. Or yeah. you know, if you were at a meeting, you wouldn't do that either. Like there's just so many instances where it's like, you wouldn't do this in normal life, but because you're in a bar, you think it's like fine. Just like smacking a dancer yeah. on the they're twerking or grabbing a drag queen's wig or even grabbing a drag queen's like boobs or, you know, like doing yeah. too much when you're trying to tip them. It's like, you would not do this in a normal setting. Like, why are you doing it now? <laughs> right. Like the only time I've literally like touched another drag queen's Hair was it was my friend and like I saw like a strand that was like out of place and like mm -hmm. I, as, as as I was doing it I'm literally I was I was like I like I'm being a sister I'm not trying to like fuck fuck you up I'm just trying to like fix your hair and that's I think totally different when it's like yeah. when I'm like oh hey babe like let me fix your tag sticking out of your thong or like yeah. it's different when it's like an industry person with another industry person like a drag queen fixing another drag queen's hair or yeah of that sort it's like it's definitely different but pulling someone's wig off like that's not okay pulling and, someone's underwear down like that's not okay like these things yeah. you wouldn't normally do yeah and like the only reason they got away with it is because like or like why i was able to go off is because like Again, me being a live singer i know where my hair is gonna be i know i don't need to like pin in my wigs because like I'm singing live. My hair's gonna stay in one place. <laughs> Unless that, I, yeah, I would never do that, knowing it. And it's like, so it's like I don't even think about it. Like, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh, okay. Next question is, and I know obviously if you already did audition for the show for the second season you can't say so but would you ever consider auditioning for go 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 for the gold um yes <laughs> yeah yes i i would and um it is a goal of mine to be on it so one day it will happen right so <laughs> I know you can't you can't say much like uh, obviously like like I'm not the idiot like 
for example, when I had people on the show, like if I had had you on before you like the finale, I obviously would have asked you like, did you win? Like, bitch, you can't answer that. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, I I will say I am not on season two. Okay. I do know a lot of people on season two, and I will be rooting for them. Um, but I hope that in the future I get the chance to to be on it. But I was very very lucky to be on um to film for two shows last year one of which has already obviously finished and one of which yeah. will also come out in a few months yeah but um definitely go go for the gold is on my radar and it is a goal of mine um i really think too the more seasons it has yeah the better potential it's gonna be and i'm excited to see how season two looks and what they've done differently from season one and right. i hope to be season three the winner obviously <laughs> of course so but, uh, i love i love rico he won season one and i dance with him yeah. a lot and um yeah i know yeah i love i support it and i will definitely uh, hopefully be on it. Work. So, what made you audition for For the Love of Delphs? <laughs> oh my god. Um, honestly, I didn't want to do it. I uh, had uh, friends send me the audition, um, like the post. And I was like, oh, that's cute. But I want to do this go-go show. So, I don't want to do that. And, um, yeah, and then I had a few different people who worked for Daddy TV talk to me, and I, I don't know, I just was like, you know what, I've been single, like, I've never really thought about myself being on a dating show, but, yeah. like, I'm open to the idea of it, because it, you know, it could be fun, so I was like, fuck it, I'll send an audition tape in and just see what they say. And um, their Hot House season one, I met the producers and lots of different people because they did their finale at Charlie's Phoenix. And I'm in one little clip, if you see it, like I, it's just a reaction shot, but I'm in one yeah. little clip of Hot House season one. And um, yeah, that's how I met some of the people who worked for Daddy TV. And I just did my best to introduce myself to everyone, to say hi, let them know who I am. I'm Prince Joshua. It's nice yeah. to meet you. I would love the opportunity to one day be on a show. And if you have, you know, any suggestions for me, just let me know. Like, I was always, I was all up in their business. Every yeah. single and they uh, remembered me because when I moved here, I had people, you know, come up to me and like, hey, like, we met at the hot house thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, we did. And um, so I, I talked, I've had some good conversations with them and they kind of talked me into auditioning. And so I was like, you know what, I will. And, yeah. um, you know, with an open heart, I went in there. And then obviously I got casted. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Oh, of course I wrote this question. Because I'm pretty sure I wrote this question the exact same way for Phoenix. Did you really believe that you were going to fall in love going into filming the show? 
I had um, an open heart, like I said. Yeah. On vacation, have fallen in love in two days with, you know, with guys and then spent, you know, a whole week and a half thinking that we were in love. So I totally thought that it was a possibility that I could meet someone and right away just like fall because it has happened before. But it takes a lot of like, it just takes a lot for that to happen. Like, it's just crazy happened to me, but it's like every little thing has to align for that to make sense. And unfortunately it just didn't happen. And um, I got to meet and make a lot of really cool friends on this show and also hang out with friends who I was already friends with prior to the show, which was hilarious when we all showed up to the airport and it was like five LA boys who all knew each other. We were just like, okay, what's happening? Like, why are we all here? Yeah. It was hilarious, but it was fun because then we turned it to like a little kiki because, you know, most of us got along and I mean, we had to be with each other regardless. So we made the most of all of that. And um, it was cool. And I got to meet a lot of cool guys in the house. And I'm glad how things worked out because, you know, even if my episodes, we weren't this beautiful fairy tale love story like I hope to have one day I got to share with you know a lot of people who I am and where I came from and what I honestly look for in a guy and how I go about relationships and you know I felt like no offense to the other boys but I really got to show a side of me that is real and also that people don't normally get to see based off of what I post um, online. So I really feel like I got a great opportunity to show that side of me, even if I wasn't the, you know, fun character twerking on the table or the, you know, one causing drama or, you know, whatever, like, or the sexy thirst trap of the season, like, I got to show a side of me that I wanted others to see and that I wanted to be known for. So it was, it was cool. I'm, I wish I didn't cry that much because I definitely did a fair amount of crying. Um, But also when you're in a pressure cooker situation where you're all your, all your feelings are heightened and you have, you know, four days to fall in love and you have producers whispering in your ear trying to tell you this and then you have cast members whispering in your ear trying to do that and you have all these different influences and uh, people with agendas. It's just super overwhelming and any girl who I used to think was being too much on TV, I take back now because I know what it's like to have that. I know what it's like to not have dinner and have all these emotions running off of three hours of sleep because it's your first day of shooting and you were nervous. And it was my birthday. So I had people calling me out in the middle of the night. And then like, I snuck in a bottle of tequila to the mansion. I don't know if I can say that, but I did. And um, we were taking shots. And so I got to confessionals and I was just a little emotional. And so 
I never, I will now never hold it against anyone for crying on TV because I know how emotionally draining and exhausting it is. And it's just, it's a wild ride because it's so fun. It's so incredible. You feel so cool. And it's like, honestly, I've always wanted to be in a mansion like that. And the fact that I got to like stay in one and film in one, it was so fun. But um, yeah, the experience in all was incredible, but it was very draining. And, you know, it takes the right kind of people to survive it. Like when Alex dropped out, it was understandable that it was overwhelming, especially considering his past history and relationship status that he was dealing with that it's like going through you know a breakup like that and not being prepared for all the emotions that will come out it's it's very hard so I understood him completely when I watched it and saw it um because I only heard yeah. about it when I entered the house I heard right what and I was like oh my god but um yeah, I'm really happy. I do think that, you know, some people can fall in love real quickly. Didn't happen to me, but I did go into the show thinking that it was a possibility. Yeah. I will say this. You saying this, like, I definitely talked with Phoenix about doing reality TV. Like, I am someone who, like, I love watching it. I would never want to do, like, a reality show, like... If anything, like, I would want to do, like, a docu-series where, like, I had control of everything. And it's, like, I am exactly in control of how you edit me. Yeah. Blame it on the edit. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I will say this. like, And if I did do a reality show, I'd be, like, I'd be, like, I want to do something kind of the exact opposite of me. It's, like, I'll be, like, well, you can cast me as a bitch. And I'll be the one just, like everyone's calm and then like you just go up and whisper and be like i heard i heard he said your hole was so loose that you could fit 87 dicks in there at once and then just uh -huh. like walk away and be like <laughs> i love that see and that's something that um <laughs> some people on the cast went into the show thinking i'm going to be this character yeah where you know others came in just as themselves so it was it was a very interesting dynamic to be in the house with personalities that were you know centered on being a character versus some of us who were like i'm just gonna like be myself um so it, it was a very interesting dynamic because some people were like that and others weren't so it's it's funny to see that, but it's. I think it's sometimes necessary to have a few of those people who are specifically there to portray said character or said, you know, um, archetype because it it keeps the show interesting and it like you saying shady shit like that would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. and it's also like if I feel if I got like too real on a reality show, I'd be crying like you. I'd be like. The person who's like, yeah, and then like, why am I so emotional? It's, I say this, like, I try and like brave face stuff, but like, I'm a cancer. Like, I just literally like, when I need to let it out, I need to fucking let it out. And it's like, I am like, not usually that way either, which yeah. 
going into reality TV, you're you think you know how you're gonna look, but you're not gonna look like that because there's so many circumstances that you're gonna be put in that are gonna change things. But also, it's like in this specific circumstance. This isn't just reality TV. It's a dating show. Like they talked about, they would bring up a lot of like my past traumas and a lot of like my past relationships and make me really think about things that do make me emotional. So as a, you know, prideful, proud, courageous Leo, I, you know, thought of myself going on the show going to be a bad bitch. And then they start asking me about, you know, my traumas and what I've been through and all these things. And all of a sudden I'm crying. So it's like, you never know what to expect or what they're going to pull out of you because they know those things because you tell them in an interview, we had a really long conversation interview before um, casting where they really get to dissect you and figure out who you are. And then they'll bring it up on screen in front of the camera and you just have to react the way you would because that's how it is. So it's like, you just, you have to be prepared for those kind of moments. And uh, I definitely didn't think that through, but when you're playing with my love, when you're talking about with my, you know, something like that, that I do get emotional over because yeah. I'm, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So it's like, I, I did definitely, you know, show that too. But I think if I were put in a situation on reality TV, like go, go for the gold or sort of other type, I think it would be uh, a different story because I wouldn't be talking about things that hurt, have hurt me. I wouldn't be talking about, and maybe I would a little bit, but I would mostly focus on the competition aspect and bring my, you know, my best forward to perform. And I think that's where I will flourish um, totally and own because it's not going to be about, can I fall in love with this guy or should I fall in love with this guy or whatever? It's going to be about what I do on the daily. It's going to be about me performing. It's going to be about me, you know, showing up and showing out, which like, well, well, first of all, at least from what Rico told me when I interviewed him, you ain't going to have time. Like, they barely filmed that show. So, like, <laughs> there's no, like, deep story arcs. Like, yeah, when you're filming, like, a half an hour a day, like, it's pretty much everything it, you do. Like, like, go, 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 go yeah. for the show. <laughs> That's why, like, when I heard... That I was like, really? Because, like, I'm used to thinking about shows like Drag Race, where it's like you film for hours on end, you're put on ice. If you got in a fight with that person, you can't talk to them off camera because you don't want them to resolve their problems. It's like. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of drama on the show, but it was um, their first season. And, you know, I don't know the budget but I'm sure it didn't allow for them to be able to film all day yet. Um, yes. I'm sure season two is going to have much, you know, more than season one of those kind of aspects. But also, in my opinion, I don't always like to see the petty drama or the girls fighting. I do like to see their stories, where they come from. But people 
at least people like me, I watched RuPaul to see the runways, to see the challenge and to see the lip syncs. You know, like I don't I don't want to watch gay boys fight. Like I I see enough of that. I hear enough of that. Yeah. I don't like so it's like I understand why there's not a lot of that in um that series, but I do think in in the future they will be able to add more kind of story arcs. Right. But um, that's why I'm kind of glad what I did last year I did um because now I have experience being on tv i know how it is to be on set all day i know how it is um how you have to be on it you have to be expecting anything unexpected and be ready for those moments because if you say the right things that's more camera time for you if you if you're funny and confessionals that's more camera time for you if you you know it's just all about living in the moment and just completely knowing how to react to the right things. So I feel like now being, you know, having two different shows like done, I feel like I know how to go into, you know, a, a, a show that's a competition because yeah. it's not only a show, but it's like a competition. And when it comes to competition, you know, I've done cheer competitions, I've done dance competitions, I've done, um karate competitions like i i know what that's like i know how to put myself in a spot where you know this is do or die i need to show off and show out so i know i can do that but now that i have like the tv aspect of it down i think i really slay that show right but i will say like to the drama point of rupaul's drag race like i was the person who on the um Lux Lucy lip sync, I was I was the person who I'm like, send her ass home, Lux. Like I will <laughs> say this, like some people, Lucy fans are probably like huge fans of her. I couldn't fucking stand her from episode one. I was so glad when she got I, off the show. I think it's so funny just like that whole dynamic because like you know, some people really do think that they're being some type of way. And like, I'm sure now she watches it and she's like, she probably laughs at herself with us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like she probably now sees what we, what people meant. And like, it's funny. It's funny to go back and think about like what you were thinking in the moment that they like are playing or what happened outside of the cameras or off camera, or maybe that yeah. didn't the screen and like how that influenced what you did or said. And so it's just, I, I, there's always more to the story. And it's also like, to that point, I remember when I talked to Phoenix yesterday and he was talking about the reunion and about how if they had filmed the reunion after seeing the show versus like when they did <laughs> do it, like how different things would be. I... Okay, so yes, it would be very different because that was filmed right after. Yeah. So that was, you know, everything was still fresh. If they would have filmed it now, oh my God, that episode would be so 
fucking hilarious because we're all in a group chat and it can be messy sometimes. Like the other day, it was so messy. I was like, this needs to be on TV. Like, yeah. boys were fighting. They were sending screenshots. Like, it was just like, like the show is over and it's yeah. going. Like, it's just so funny to me. But you're right. I think... um also, we would have had time to process things, and after watching it, we would be able to, like, go back and revisit conversations that yeah. didn't to be finished, because there was a lot of those. But, um, yeah, it would be a completely different thing, and that's something I hope that they take note of, that they, even if it's, like, you know, they wait a few months, or they wait until right about uh the time where they're going to release the series filming the last you know the reunion or whatever i think it would be smart to make the finale its own episode and then make the reunion a separate episode because combining them cute but it's so much funnier when you get a whole cast back together you know months after the fact and see what's going on then and watch like watch what people aren't afraid to say because maybe at first they were like afraid to say it but now that time's gone by i know phoenix would not hold back and i know tokyo would not hold back well i know i literally well i'm the person who like i said like one of the things like every time like phoenix was in the background i wasn't paying attention to like who was talking i was like looking at phoenix because because of that resting bitch face. And, like, I literally pointed out to Phoenix. I'm like, I could tell at which point you were bored. Like, I literally saw it on your face. Like, <sighs> there was so much of that episode that didn't make it, too. Like, Phoenix went around the room, basically, and told everyone what they thought of each one of them. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. Like, there is so much moments that, like, didn't... What? <laughs> like, there's so many moments that didn't get to happen... That, that that was hilarious too, but it was it was funny. That part I didn't hear about. He did tell me that he gave a reason for like why he voted for Bobby and Nathan. Yeah, and they didn't show it. They didn't they didn't show it. Like, cause my question was like automatically my first thought was, well, I'm like, well, did you vote this way because you only saw them? But, like, Phoenix obviously, like, cleared that out, and that wasn't the way it was at all, but... You know, I promised Nathan, uh, we we were hanging out before the show at, um, at Six Flags, and I promised him that if I wasn't in the finale, I would vote for him, and he promised that if he wasn't in the finale, he would vote for me. And I felt so bad because I broke that promise, but... I just, like, the way Mateo and Gordon, they were just always so, like, it was so easy for them. Like, it was always just so easy. Like, they always just naturally flowed. And that last, like, speech made me cry. And if you can get me to cry, then, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll. that's why my vote swung that way. Um, I love Nathan, though. And, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so switching subjects completely. So you named some of them, but like what companies have you modeled for? 
Um, so like professionally modeled for, I've done for body aware underwear. They do really cute mix of like feminine looking men's lingerie and men's sportswear. And then I've also done Yandy, who is owned by Playboy. Um, and I've done uh, like different Halloween costumes for them and some underwear for them. Um, like you can see me like in product shots for those yeah. two brands. And then through like influencing and getting paid to like influence, I've done literally so many like I started with Andrew Christian and then I did some of JJ Malibu and then I did a little bit for American Richard. I've done it for uh, Coyote Jocks. I've done it for who else? Um, the Underwear Expert. And I've also, you know, done a lot of like um, help promoting smaller businesses that aren't really known as big brands like on yeah. Instagram their name is DD harnesses he's made he made my my iconic gold chain harness that goes across and then like his leather wow. I wear it. and then um he's also made a lot of other leather pieces that I wear and um then I've I've worked with uh boy PKG and um oh my gosh like just you know, Randa, um, another one, Candyman Fashion, they've done a lot. Uh, they've sent me a lot that I've helped promote for. So those are just some of the, like, mostly just underwear, honestly. But I think in the future, yeah. I would love to take it to another level. Um, I did work for iHeart Raves for a little bit and, sent, and um, got to promote for them but I really want to do more fashion. I would love to get known for that, but I think I need to post more fashion if people are going to uh, send it to me because when they look at my Instagram and it's all underwear, they're less likely to want a partner for me to help promote uh, a, a fashion line or a brand. So I think going in the future, I want to try and combine both yeah. that way get underwear sponsors as well as fashion sponsors, maybe something like Fashion Nova or, you know, some some form of like streetwear would be amazing. I love streetwear and I love, you know, that aesthetic. Um, but right now I, I currently don't have any specific brand that I am consistently working for. So if any brands see me that are interested, let me know. <laughs> awesome. So, do people assume you're super slutty because you're a go-go dancer? Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, my Instagram kind of looks like it too, so I totally understand. But um, guys actually sometimes get shocked when they find out that like I would prefer, you know, to get to know someone and go on a date and. You know, I'm like low key a hopeless romantic, but I don't really show that side. Um, they don't really get to see it because I'm known as a go-go boy. And, you know, I post a lot of go-go dancing videos. I post a lot yeah. of like thirst traps just because that helps promote my go-go dancing. And um, some boys are shook by it. Some guys are kind of like mean too, if they like, 
expected me to like act some sort of way or give them a part of me that I don't want to give. And it's like, I don't owe it to anyone, you know, to be that way. And I will admit if I'm like into a guy, I, you know, might act some sort of way sometimes, but it's like, I'm genuine, generally not really like that. Like, it's just funny. It's funny because they, they will put you in a box. But if you take the time to get to know a lot of the boys who are dancing in their underwear aren't really slutty. I mean, of course, there are some who are and go them like there's no slut shaming. Love that for you. And I'm not going to lie. I've definitely had my fun and I do have fun, but um, I'm not as easy as as it would maybe seem. And neither are a lot of the boys. I know a lot of the boys who dance are you know looking for monogamous relationships or you know some sort so it it really depends on the dancer who they are and what they are about because i also know guys you know who are dancers who will get fingered on the box like you know like so who knows but i think it's just very situational and you can't generalize every go-go boy and think they're going to be the same because we're all very different we all have very different right we all have very different boundaries, but we also have very different romantic interests. That's understandable, like totally. And it's and it's also like the way I was thinking about it, like I have this is a question I'll ask in a moment, but it's like at some point, even if, if maybe you were that way in the beginning. At some point, you being in, like, nightlife for so long, you probably get bored of it. Like, just get bored of the fact that, like, you could just go hook up with somebody that they just want to be with you because you were the go-go dancer who they were just, like, staring at. Like, that that probably wears off at some point, right? It definitely, yeah. Like, the, the nostalgia or whatever of, like, being that, like, sexualized person that, like, lots of guys are lusting for eventually it's just like meh like you know and as someone who has a decent presence online that is mostly me being objectified i i'm just so used to it at this point that like i think when someone tells me like you're so sexy it's so i'm so numb to it but when a guy like when someone compliments me, guy or girl, whoever, or they, or, you know, when someone compliments me on something that's more than just, like, a physical appearance thing, um, or, like, more than just a lustful comment, it means so much to me. And it, it actually sometimes, like, you know, makes my night because I'm like, wow, they were focusing on the fact that, like, I am a good dancer or that the fact that, like, you know, I was so easy to talk to when they didn't think so or like random things like that or the fact that like I was being so genuine with them or that you know they didn't expect me to be so helpful or whatever it may be like whatever they ask me um it's it's things like that that kind of stand out to me or guys who you know purposefully want to not sexualize me or objectify me it definitely like I can definitely get a different sense from them and um, appreciate it because 
like you said, it, it does get kind of old. And of course, it's fun, especially when it's like someone you're really into is like, you can tell that they're like turned on by you. It's definitely fun, even, you know, after it being a long time of me being a dancer. But um, it's people who want to actually connect with me that that I, you know, love when we get to talk and connect because not always, some people just will just discard me because I'm a dancer and they're like, oh, well, he's a slut. Like, you know, like they won't even yeah. consider it. So it's people who actually want to figure out who I am and, and, and know me that actually interest me. Yeah. Well, okay. Two points. A, to all the single guys out in LA who <laughs> Prince Joshua's passed, y'all are fucking stupid. Like, this is literally one of the sweetest people oh. ever. And like, y'all are fucking dumb. I said the same thing to Phoenix yesterday. And two, it's like, in some ways, that's what I, I literally joke and say, like, my model for, like, interviewing people is basically, like, get hot guys, put them on camera, and basically force them to talk. Like, that that was my interviewing model. And it's, like... <laughs> it's a good model. <laughs> it is a good model. And it's, like, it gives you a chance to, like, know people. Because, like, I would say this. Like, even you, like, being apart from the show, I probably could have done an interview with you just before that. Like, totally. It's, I mean, there's some people where it's like, they had to get on the show for like me to pay attention, but it's like, I, I was following you before the show. That's why when I saw you in Tokyo, it's like, I was following both of you before you were even on the show. Like, oh. I love to like, um, see, like there is this guy I was flirting with in my DMs the other day on Twitter. And um, he was like, I never knew you were like attracted to me. And I was like, dude, I've been following you since like 2017. What do you mean? Like, you know, and it's, it's yeah. funny to draw back and see like the people who are really like followed you for like a certain amount of time, like before certain, um, before certain like thresholds, like, the people like to the people who have followed me um on twitter before i was in phoenix because i like i had a decent following on twitter in idaho but i that's kind of the only social media that like you know people would know me by but then in um phoenix that's when my instagram started to pop off and then people started to know me from there and so it's just funny to see like you know when people started following your journey because some of them like like you said like you've been here since before the show and like yeah on you know a, a video together interviewing me so it's just it's cool to see that it's I love to hear it too because I you know I just do me I just have fun I get creative I'll post random you know whatever it is that I'm passionate about that you know, in that moment. And so it's, it's cool to see that, like, I have people supporting it because, you know, I'm just doing what I love. Yeah. And it's also, it's great that like, 
in some ways, this is what I loved about doing this is that I get a chance to again meet people that I've been talking, been following for a while, and it's like I wouldn't have this opportunity if I didn't like. In some ways, I say like develop a skill. Like, yeah, guess that's the way you can you can say it. Like, and it's allowed me to like. I'm now like this weekend and I've done an interview with him before I'm talking to somebody who like I've followed in Manchester, like mm -hmm. getting to do like something international where it's like, that's why in some ways, like I'm so glad for doing this in some ways I look at like, am I exactly where I want to be at the beginning? No, I'm starting out, but it's like in like two months time, I was able to interview like the winner of a show. I was able to like, interview somebody for their their first interview and it's like getting to interview somebody international it's like stuff that people like take years to do i guess i had the balls to like try and do in months yeah it's just all about taking that initiative and making it happen and that's what you're doing yeah so All right. I'm trying to think because there are so many questions here. Like, you're a talker like Phoenix, so that's why, like, <laughs> I'm getting down the list. I, that's not a bad thing, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why when we sit next to each other, it's like we can go for hours. Well, no, that's why I literally, like, when I did, when I approached Phoenix to do the interview yesterday, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even going to bother offering you an hour because I know you're not going to be able to do whatever I want in an hour. So, like, here's a two hour slot. Like, <laughs> that's fair. Right. So, let's see. No, I already kind of asked that question. Oh. So, okay, well, you have OnlyFans, but would you ever consider doing studio porn? Um, No, I would not. And I've actually been considering deleting my OnlyFans. But um, it's just, you know, a cute little side hustle. I don't do any collaborations, but I, you know, make, you know, cute, sexy content if you want to, you know, Give me some money for my nudes. So, yeah, yeah uh, I have it there, but it's something I've, I'm not really pursuing hard because there's so many other aspects in my life I want to put energy into. Like, I would way rather model professionally and be known as, you know, a print model or something editorial versus going the route of, you know, porn. And usually you're less likely to be cast in those kind of roles if you're known for doing porn. So I definitely do think it's gonna it's more normalized nowadays and there's much more opportunity, but I still think that having that um, not that kind of um, like genre under your belt helps you in the fashion industry kind of you know stay bookable because they don't yeah. want 
they don't want to see that always. And um, most of the time they don't want any of it. So that's why I like to keep it kind of more private and low key. Uh, but like who hasn't sent nudes? Like, let's be real. There's plenty out there of famous people, of models, etc. So I think it's just all about um, being able to control it because I'm very much wanting to be in control of the media I put out. So I like the fact that I can have that freedom to do it, charge my own price and, you know, control what shots are seen by anybody. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. So, okay, going to this point, I know we kind of talked on it before, but I'm just gonna ask it have you ever hooked up with somebody after they tipped you slash after you got done working yeah (laughs) i definitely have um you know if if you if you've got game it can work but certain times i get so turned off so it's it just really depends on the person, but there's definitely times guys have tipped me and been so smooth and sexy that I was like, all right, like, what's your number? Like, let me get your number, whatever. And, you know, also there's been, um, you know, random DJs or <laughs> coworkers that um, I've also slept with, so... <laughs> I think it just depends on, like, the dynamic we have together and the way you approach it. Because there's definitely ways that can kind of turn me off and then, you know, kind of ruin it for you. Uh, But also, sometimes it has worked. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I will say this, like, being in drag, like... Have I hooked up in drag before? Yes. Are there times? Are there are there times where it's like a guy came on like way too strong? Definitely. I can think of like one time where like I was parking my car, I was about ready to like walk into the place that I performed at in Orlando. Actually, I should just say the name of it because you probably know what it is. Um, Parliament House. Uh huh. Yeah. So like. I was there, and, like, this guy, like, this black guy who I know, I know who, I know who's into me, like, I know what I can do, love the black brothers, um, literally, he just, like, was on his, on this bike, and he, like, literally just, like, as I was trying to go in, he just, like, pulled his dick out, and I'm, like, (laughs) right here, (laughs) and it's, and I'm, like, and I'm, like, and I'm like, I'm like, get away. Like, that's just because I am someone like I'll do stuff after I perform. I don't want to do anything before. Yeah, definitely. Knowing time and play is so important because you're right. Like, I'm about to work or I'm at work. And that's yeah. my that's my mode right now. I, you know, when I'm on the box, I'm trying to make money. I'm not trying to like make all these customers think that I'm into this guy because if they, you know, that's, it it could turn them on, but it could also turn them away from tipping me. So it's like, right. 
that's something I'm cautious about when I'm either talking to a guy or into a guy is like, you know, you can tip me, you can come say hi to me. I'll be, I'll be flirty with you, but you have to give me my time if I'm working to flirt and work the crowd because that's how I make my money. Like, you know, and it, it's, it takes a certain level of confidence to be okay with that because some guys get jealous um, yeah. and you can either just choose not to come when I work if you're jealous or learn how to, you know, understand that like I'm a Leo and my loyalty to you will mean more to me than these silly flirtatious conversations that are literally just me trying to get money. Like, you right. know? So it's like, it's definitely something that um, that you have to understand about performers like us because that's part of our job. Like we have to know how to finesse. Like that's just what we do. That's how we make money. <laughs> Actually just thinking about that. I told that story to my best friend and he's like, so what'd you do? And I'm like, how big of a fucking slut do you think I am? Like, I, I <laughs> it's like I kept walking. It's like, want it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, so yeah. So funny. It's just, it's I just mean, like, I who would have gotten right there and done it? But you know, yeah, that's not us. Yeah, that's that's not me. That's not my juge. I'm I'm someone who like. There's some people who like just love sucking dick and they're like just love it all thing. That's my thing where it's like I'm I'm someone where I'm very like if you want me to do it to you, like I don't really like doing it, but I'm like if you'll eat my ass at the same time, like deal. Compromise. Let me get Yeah. Word. It's like I'm not the person who like just like, like get down on my knees or no, that's not me. I will I did accept that. I did accept that at the Parliament House. There used to be this guy who would like say, like, he's like, he's like, you want to get sucked off? I'm like, after I've done, I'm like, yeah. So we just went out to the beach and like four or five times, I just let him do it. I'm like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> I wanted to hook up on a beach one day. That I will say, I was, I was so sad when I heard that place shut down because it's yeah. like that was like the best place it was like the place i almost say where there was like no rules and like i know they're like trying to recreate it in downtown orlando i honestly in like the heart of downtown i'm like it's not gonna be the same it's not at least they're trying yeah it's it's that's why like when I heard that was closed, I'm like, okay, like if I ever thought I was gonna move back to Orlando, I'm definitely not doing it now. <laughs> and I also realized, like, as I said, much probably like you with Idaho, it's like I want out of Florida. Like, yeah. It's just like when I see people move into this state, like they I saw somebody like come from LA and then all of a sudden move to Florida. I'm thinking, why? It's like, yes, I understand taxes are probably cheaper and all that, but like, why? Why would you move here? I think it's like a lot of people want to move places that they haven't been because, you know, where you grow up or where you're from or where you've lived most of your life, it gets old. Yeah. 
I actually know somebody like crazily enough that I'm trying to interview. He like was originally from the Bronx and then he moved specifically to my area. And I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like of all the places, why the fuck would you move here? Like I get, okay. I get people if they like said, I want to move to Miami. I'm like, that makes complete sense. There's stuff to do in Miami. You want to move to this like small well, I shouldn't say small suburb because I literally think about the commute I have to drive here. It's like to drive back and forth from work. It's literally crazy. Like to get to my work, it takes about 38 minutes for me to get home. It takes 45 because oh, of traffic. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's why when I got my new shift, I was so glad it's like two hours before rush hour. I'm like, fantastic. That's nice. Yeah, I'm one of those like motivated. I will say I'm a motivated person. I don't like getting up crazy early, but like I know probably much like Phoenix, you, you're in nightlife. I understand you wanting to sleep in. Like I get up at like four a.m. like during the week because I go exercising before I go like, to work. Usually, right when I'm about to pass out. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> And I know it's like, even like one day when I hit up Phoenix, I was like, I like hit him up at 7 a.m. my time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this bitch probably ain't even asleep yet. Like, because yeah. I felt bad because like I hate, I don't want to be the person to like wake you up in the middle of your sleep. But like, if you ain't falling asleep yet, I can fucking talk to you. Anyway. <laughs> um. So. What is your relationship with drugs and alcohol? Um, like I talked about earlier, I am very um, aware of where I'm at because I am in nightlife all the time. I believe that you have to be on some sort of level to always know who you are and what you're representing because you don't want to look messy in front of others. You don't want to, you know, cause drama or be a problem or be, you know, too intoxicated or, you know, under the influence. So I'm very, I, you know, I do my fair share. I drink socially and sometimes I get drunk and, you know, I have fun and I I, I smoke weed every day. Like I'm a big stoner. I'm more likely to sit at home and smoke a bowl than to like go out and party. But yeah. because it's my job to be the party, I yeah. I definitely do my fair share of fun. And um, yeah, I I'm a rave kid. Like I grew up going to raves, so you know I've definitely done my fair share of drugs. But I think it's all about just knowing your limit and knowing your uh, ability to be comprehensive and to represent yourself properly because once you learn those things it's so important and honestly i feel like it took me a while to figure out where that level is and you know at 25 years old i i know my limit i know when to stop drinking and um, I am, I'm usually really good about making myself stop 
at that level because I don't like to get too fucked up. I've blacked out many times and, you know, sometimes you do things stupid that you shouldn't have and you learn from it. And I think that's what really made me learn the fact that I don't want to be like that, especially in LA. That's why I'm glad I grew up or I uh, lived in Phoenix for the time that I did because I started dancing at 20 years old became a go-go boy. Um, and then at 21, I finally started able to party with them legally. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, just started to, you know, explore that area. And I really, at the end of it, learned my limit and learned how to be a part of the party without getting too fucked up. And I think that's so important for any nightlife persona or dancer or performer is to figure out if they need to be sober, if they have a limit, where that limit is. You know, right. learning those things, it's so important. I think everyone, no matter who you are, needs to learn that, even if you're just, you know, a nine to five worker who, likes to go out on the weekends. I think knowing your limit is really important because it all it takes is that one time for you to make a dumb mistake and it could forever change your life. And it's just something that, you know, I've seen, I've been in the passenger side of two different friends of mine who have gotten DUIs uh, while driving me home from the bar. And, you know, it's, it's really scary and it very much set them back a lot in life and really, you know, can affect you negatively. So I think it's all about just like knowing your limit because I, you know, I won't shame anyone for doing whatever they do as long as it's not affecting others negatively. And as long as right. they're, as long as they're not causing any problems or being a mess because I'm no babysitter. I don't want to babysit anybody. Um, totally. but I'm definitely here for you having a good time. And if you need a little substance or whatever it is to do that, like, you know, I, it, who am I to judge? It's not my body, but, right. um, yeah, I do my fair share of whatever I think, whatever I'm in the mood for, but I definitely stay, um, at a level that I can still be my best and perform my best. Now, I'm not gonna lie, sometimes, you know, sometimes we go past that limit, but I'm usually really good about knowing that limit. And, um, right. Yeah. Well, I will say, like, this in terms of like just my own story, like with drugs and alcohol, like, alcohol, I had like one bad night where I, almost got a DUI. Luckily I got like saved. Like my dad was able to like pick me up. So like yeah. I was good, but like in terms of drugs, the only thing that like I've abused and it's okay. So like just a little bit of background, I have like bone spurs in the heels of my feet. So like occasionally like I'll be in a lot of pain. And before I was going with the doctor where I was like dealing with that constant pain, I used to, seriously abuse like ibuprofen like i was taking as i predicted like easily 18 to 24 a day like wow. yeah it, yeah it's the fact that i didn't cause like and i did that for like four months and like the fact that i didn't cause any like damage yeah that could be hard on your body 
and I was like, once I like finally got into a doctor, the reason I didn't go was because another problem that we have in America, fucking health insurance. Like, so girl expensive. Like that's why I'm one of those people when people say like, they'd have to raise taxes to give everyone Medicare. I'm like, Medicare for all. I'm like, yes, but you'd have health insurance. Yeah. Like, who cares if you got to pay more money? You'd have health insurance. You wouldn't be spending... When I did my research, it said, like, the average person spends $500 a month on health insurance. And to me, that's insane. That's crazy. I can't afford that. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. There's at one point I was... My health insurance was... $200 and it's like I can't afford that every month like no. it's one of those things where I'm like oh. but nonetheless we have people who still think let's not vote for candidates who want that let's vote for candidates who want the opposite yeah yeah <laughs> so Trying to de- I'm trying to decide which question I want to do next because I think I have like two that I got to ask you. I'm just trying to figure out which one I want to ask first. Um, okay. Oh, wait. No, you already answered that. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to think. So, what's the biggest misconception about you? Hmm. The biggest misconception about me um, is that you think you know me. <laughs> like, I, I, I think that's what it would be, is that people think because online they see this or that, they see, you know, my TikToks or they see my Instagram or my tweets. They see what, you know, I portray on TV And then they just, they think they know who I am. They think they know all about me and they don't. And it's like, so many people will, you know, try to tell me who they think I am. And I'm just like, if you take the chance to like, actually talk to me, you'll figure it out. But like, uh, for example, people love on TikTok to just, um, to call me a bottom and bottom shame me. And like, don't get me wrong, I love to bottom. But that's not all there is to me when I have sex. Like, I talk too. I'm versed. And sometimes I'm not even in the mood for that. And I just want to jerk off. Like, you know, like, there's I'm so much more complex than being a cookie, cookie cutter of what you think I am. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is um, people just thinking they know who I am or thinking they know who anyone is just because they follow them or because, um, you know, even if they follow them on every platform and, you know, consume all the media they put out, they still don't truly know that person until they talk to them, until they go through experiences with them. Because, you know, other people will think, you know, they'll they'll get one section of my life maybe in person and think, oh, well, I saw you dancing on, you know, the stage and you're a slut, like, because, you know, the way you acted. And it's like, 
that's my job. Like I do that. It's fun. Yes. I love to show off my body and yes, you know, I, I do objectify myself for money, but at the same time, like, just because I'm doing that does not mean that I'll, I sleep with everyone or will sleep with everyone or that, you yeah. know, and so it's like, you, you can't take little pizza, little pieces of people's lives. So I was trying to get rid of that notification. Yeah. Um, yeah, and man. you can't like take little pieces of people's lives and then think that's who they are because there's so much more. We're such complex, you know, human beings that there's so much more to us than just, what people think um, from, you know, whatever it is they are basing it off of, whether it be an Instagram post or a TikTok or, you know, a TV show. Uh, yeah. So I think that would probably have to be my answer is that the biggest misconception is that people think they know who I am before they actually get to know me. Right. And for my fans who have followed me the whole time thinking, you know who I am, you probably do. Um, no. <laughs> well, cause, cause, because this is the thing. Like, I am very much an open... For the most part, I'm an open book. I don't think I... I might have, like, a few secrets, but, like, the reason I started doing... Well, I say that one of the reasons I started doing a podcast was because when I was making art, people weren't under when I was making music, people weren't understanding what I'm doing. I'm like, well, maybe if I like in some ways, like dumb down what I'm saying and I actually say the words, maybe you'll get it. I'm thinking particularly of my sister who like, in some ways she's been like very good to me, but in other ways she's like criticized me a lot. She's like, she's the one who said like, Oh, you're just doing drag to get attention. I'm thinking, First of all, A, no, and B, of course I want attention. Every performer wants attention. I'm just good at getting it. Like, Yeah, that part. Or like, I had a song where like, the title of the song was like, Kill Your Mother, and it was me, me honestly talking about like, killing the conservative side of my mom. And my sister just focused on the title. It's like, uh, it's just like, that's reactionary. And it's because like, in some ways, I only had to come out to one parent. Like my mom passed away when I was 18 and she like passed away before I came out. And I think if she was still alive, I don't know if I ever would have. Cause wow. Cause of those like, conservative figures that she had yeah. around around me but in the other vein I always say my mom was the one who introduced me to Madonna so it's like I always got like conflicting messages of would she have accepted me would she not have and I mean it's a moot point now but it's like I think it's just it, it takes a lot of learning and a lot of conversations for people to uh, rethink how they live their lives but i think at the end of the day like usually um people decide that like love is more important even if they don't maybe agree with you they will still love you i know that's not the case for everyone but that's just um 
how I've experienced and what I've gone through with my own family, which I'm so grateful for, uh, because that's what we all decided at the end of the day, like, is that we're still a family and we have to love each other no matter what. Even if, you know, some of us do things that others don't agree with and now later are accepting of, um, it, it, it just all comes down to the fact that, you know, you're family and you have to love each other and be there for each other because that's just what families do. Well, I would say 99% of the time that's true. You have the 1% of the time where people get like shunned out of their house and it's like. Totally. And I think that comes from a lack of um, being able to have that communication and being able to have those disagreements that don't get too heated and, you know, that safe place to, for argue's sake, talk about your standpoint and really, you know, work through it. Because if you're able to do that, if your family you know, is open to receiving and learning and, you know, et cetera, I feel like it, it's more likely that you can come to that place. But there, unfortunately, there is definitely um, maybe even a higher percentage of families that that doesn't happen and it's not okay to do that. And they end up um, having a broken family. But what's great is that you can always choose your family and, you know, some of my good friends I would consider family because they've been there for me in so many times that were hard that it's like we have gone through so much together, like they're, they're family. So even if, you know, that happens with your family members, at least you can find community and you can find and pick your family. Totally. So, yeah. Well, oh, I'm going to end it there. Cute. I will yeah. say like a perfect ending, honestly. Yeah. And wow, I was surprised I went as long with you as I did Phoenix. But again, not a bad thing. Like, yeah, I mean, we've got lots to say. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like, as I've said with every guest, like, if I come up with more questions, like, Lord knows I'll probably watch this and, like, come up with a whole batch. I'll just hit you up again. Like, see yeah. what... Let me know. Yeah. So, with that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. Yes. All right. And stream...